Shut up and sit down. What's going on? Welcome to another episode of Paraprobe. I am your host, Jesse J. And uh, the big guy is out at a Kenny Chesney concert for a belated birthday present for him and his wife. But today I am joined by my good friend Wes here. We're going to talk some Star Wars and you get to listen to his sultry tones. Yeah, what's up, man? What's up? Um, So, like, tell us about yourself. Who are you? What do you? Why do we care about you? Nobody cares about me. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. No, um, yeah, I'm just a normal guy, amateur photographer, loves sci-fi, loves Star Wars, Star Trek, yeah. and you're, Star Galactica. You're and, a pretty yeah. smart guy, too. Don't sell yourself short, man. <laughs> so, uh, Wes, I call him our uh, resident Star Wars expert because he doesn't just like know the movies or like anything like that. He's very familiar with the lore, very familiar with the kind of physics of the universe, as it were, and uh, he's actually pretty articulate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, about the only thing I've never really dug into are the um, the comic books and some of the book series, that sort of stuff, most of the written material. Um, but yeah, pretty much outside of that, uh, you know, if it's available to be watched, I have watched it. Yes. Or, or played it. Yes. In many yes. cases. No, it's definitely uh, great to have you here, bud. Great to uh, see you again because it's been a while. It's been yeah. a little bit. And there's no alcohol involved. <laughs> um, so <laughs> it's usually the. So you're not going to burn out in 45 minutes. Yeah, no, pretty much. <laughs> uh, anyways. Uh, so we're going to be uh, talking about – I just lost me. There we go. Okay. Issues, things, stuff. Um, I do want to start this off with uh, talking about something that like I stumbled on. Apparently, the U.S. government had planned to nuke the moon at one point. That is just craziness. Like that's literally like imperial stuff, like dark empire, like, hey, we're uh, making Starkiller base right now. <laughs> I mean, I, I, you got to wonder where that thought comes from in the first place. I mean, is it because it's literally the farthest place they could reach away from human life? Like, is that where the thought starts? I have no idea. But, like, so it was the uh, government's advanced aerospace threat identification program. And it, uh, they had like 1,600 pages of reports, proposals, contracts, and meeting notes that included experimental technologies such as invisibility cloaks, anti-gravity devices, transversible wormholes like stargate stuff, and uh, tunneling through the moon with nuclear explosives. <laughs> Look, we're messing enough stuff up uh, right down here on Earth. I don't think we need to go and, uh, you know, maybe blow up the moon. Yeah, no. I mean, there might be some valuable ore up there, but other than that, I don't I don't really see the point. Hey, don't get me wrong. I mean, there's uh there, there's some neat technology that could be pushed or developed because of that, which seems to always be how things go. You know, we come up with some crazy military ideas, they invent a way to do it, and then all of a sudden we have, you know, tin foil in tin microwaves. <laughs> you know, I <laughs> Yeah, um, we need that tinfoil for my hats, bro. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we, we we all know how I get about the uh, conspiracy theories. And uh, this dude, I mean, 
this definitely sent me down a little bit of a rabbit hole. I had to rein it in a little bit because, <laughs> of course, you know, government conspiracies are always – first of all, they're fun. You know, oh, then yeah. you put UFOs and stuff in there. They were talking about um, alleged biological effects of UFO encounters on humans. Biological effects of UFO encounters. Well, okay, I mean, if a UFO encounter actually happened, and especially if someone got abducted, I mean, technically, you're going into an alien environment. Who knows what kind of germs, diseases, pathogens could be, you know? Yeah. You could be exposed to. That is very true. But one of the uh, listed things is unaccounted for pregnancies. Oh, (laughs) Like um, aliens getting fresh. Yeah, X Files type stuff. <laughs> um, like my baby is green. I don't know why. <laughs> uh, anyways, no, I just found that interesting. It kind of flew along the lines of the uh, Star Wars stuff here because we have a very very awesome show coming out with some of our most beloved characters coming back in the Ooh, form yes. of Obi Wan Kenobi, the series on yes, Disney Plus. Just over a month from now. I thought it was May 5th. Uh, no, no, May 27th. Oh, I was wrong. I think at one point it was supposed to be May 5th, and then they pushed it back to the 25th, and then they pushed it back again to the 27th. I think that last push was probably just uh, instead of debuting it on a Wednesday, I think they wanted to put it out there on a Friday to get bigger oh, yeah. initial viewership. And I think they're – I could be mistaken about this, but I think they're releasing the first two episodes uh, right out right out of the gate. Yeah, they're going to have to. Like, that's, that's going to be one where we're going to want more. Oh, yeah. I mean, first of all, Ewan McGregor and Hayden Christensen are both reprising the roles as Obi-Wan Kenobi and Darth Vader. And honestly, I don't, at, at first when the prequels came out, there was a lot of hate, all kinds of hate around it. But, like, most of, like, our generation, Obi-Wan Kenobi, that era, just in general, but that era right there is awesome. Ewan Aaron, Aaron, Aaron McGregor. You <laughs> and McGregor has become like literally a hero. There's like Jesus memes of him now. <laughs> like, oh yeah, the pictures are hilarious. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, no, a little bit on like the lore. Like Hayden Christensen, they had him, and this is where kind of like we both kind of gravitate towards. They have um Hayden Christensen watching Star Wars Rebels. Oh, yeah, yeah. I just saw the article talking about that the other day where he watched uh, all the animated series, including he watched uh, Rebels, I think, and Clone Wars both. Yeah. He bin- I think he said, <clears throat> quote, he he said that he uh, he binged all of the animated series to catch up on, like, all the lore that's been put down on the, the Vader character. Yeah, no, it, and it's truly incredible how, like, in-depth he's gotten with the character, and for someone who has been kind of out of the acting game what's for better part of 20 years yeah i mean he's done so i've looked at his imdb he's done some smaller roles but not not a whole lot yeah uh from what i understand i could be totally wrong on this but like after the prequels he basically went to work on a farm because he was done from like all the hate and bs yeah, because i can i could understand that <laughs> yeah i mean and that's something like it kind of needs to be talked about because you have this guy playing an awkward teenager that, like, he's supposed to be a little awkward and he doesn't exactly fit because, A, he's overpowered, like, mm-hmm. way overpowered. B, he came in late in the game. Like, he was, like, what, 10 
when he was like brought into the Jedi Order instead yes. of like from birth. Like, like three, I think, is somewhere where they identify <clears throat> them. Usually, we're supposed to be somewhere around like really young, like three to five. I, I don't think they usually took anyone older than that. Yeah, no, and it it makes a huge difference with it. It really does, and it's it, he's supposed to be awkward, and he yeah. did it too well. Well, and he was emotionally <clears throat> unstable too. What do you mean, Anakin? Oh yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. I, I thought he you were talking little... about Hayden. <laughs> no, 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 no. Anakin, he's he's an emotionally unstable youth. Like he hasn't had. I mean, he went from being raised as a slave. To being taken away from his mother, well, not taken away, he left, but I mean, he didn't have the parental guidance he needs, which one of the, the most mind-changing things or, that I've ever, I've ever heard about Star Wars, speaking about the prequels especially, was the duel of the fates, because the real duel that was happening with Maul, Qui-Gon, and Obi-Wan was... Um, um, you lost it. Yeah, I did. <laughs> <laughs> Obi Wan and Qui Gon, who is going to survive that, yeah. would determine the path of Anakin going forward. It, they were dueling for Anakin's fate because Obi Wan was, and he he says it several times. The character, you were my brother. Yeah, but the father figure is what. Anakin needed at that point, and that was Qui-Gon. So it changed the dynamic of the teacher-student relationship after that. You went from having a child that desperately needed a father figure, but ended up with a brother. And it was he was never able to quite teach, like, bridge that gap. Yeah, there's a respect. There's a respect issue there. I feel like I mean, because yeah. like you don't really like me and my brothers like. We fought like cats and dogs. It didn't matter what age we were. I got a brother. We're 10 years apart, and we still fought like cats and dogs because we were brothers. You know what I mean? We love each other. We'd, you know, we'd fight for each other, but we'd also fight with each other. So, I mean, but there's not the same respect that you would give to a father there. Yeah, exactly. I mean, a strong male figure. And honestly, I've never, like, thought about it like that before with uh, Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan because I've always figured it was more like – Maul would be the expendable one, or he would like do like kind of, uh, what was it? a Star Killer, um, from like the Force Unleashed games. Okay. You know, Darth Vader's apprentice. Mm -hmm. I figured it would be something along those lines. Like, Maul is an intelligent dude, really is, and he's uh somewhat. Yes, I mean, <clears throat> you know, relatively so. It, when you look at some of the animated series and some of the arcs that he went through, um, he he was pretty blind to a lot of things that were going on, you know, especially with like the Emperor who ended up. It, once he once he lost to Obi Wan, he lost so much of his power, um, and it just he he just wasn't the same kind of character. And even though. He went on to things in the animated series and had some really fun character arcs. And some. I was super glad to get more story with him because he's such a neat character. But he was pretty blind to the reality of things and then obsessed with Obi-Wan after that. So that blinded him to a lot of things because he was just – it was like blind rage from that point on. Yeah, well, even with the obsession, 
he knew it was all for naught, and he was just like, well, you know, I have this one thing that I can control, so I'm going to try to control that. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, I can't even remember what episode it was, but it was the episode where they had the holocrons, and they were he was trying to basically figure out where Kenobi was, mm-hmm. and th- he basically said, you know, we're all screwed anyway. <laughs> you know, he was like, right. we're all screwed anyway, so I might as well get this done and do this. I have one mission. Otherwise, you know, I have no purpose. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, he kind of, excuse me, <laughs> caffeine is a thing. Um, three hours and 15 minutes of sleep, people. That's all I've had. And it's uh, it's fun. It's rough. <laughs> yeah. Um. But no, I mean, he, he focused on this one thing. But my impression of, like, the Obi-Wan Kenobi um, series is that it takes place before Rebels. Um, I'm actually not 100% positive on that. It's, it's uh, I don't remember the exact timing of that. I, I want to say, boy, I feel like they're around the same time, at least in part. But yeah. I think... There, there, there's potential for parallel times in there. I, just, I can't remember off the top of my head exactly where it falls, though. Um, obviously, uh, uh, Luke is like ten years old. I yeah, think, yeah. In this, so we're ten years past uh, Episode Three. So it might be like in the beginning of Star Wars Rebels. Possibly. I don't know. Rebels jumps around in time a little bit from what I remember. It's been a while since I've watched it now. Yeah, but towards the end, you have Obi-Wan Kenobi and the final arc yes. between him and Maul, yeah. which if you're a Star Wars fan and you haven't watched Star Wars Rebels, you need to. Like, yeah, absolutely. It is legit. Like, I grew up with the old school films, you know, the original trilogy before they came out with the prequels, and I thought it was phenomenal, well done, very well flushed out, and not rushed like the... Uh, Sequel trilogy, which there's some debate on on how, like, people like those or not. You know, there's people that love them and people that hate them. It it is literally the trilogy that divided the fan base. Uh, Yeah, yeah. And there was so much potential for that to be a good trilogy, and it it just was wasted. Oh, dude, I was stoked after the first one. I'm like, okay, this is is lit. I'm down. I'm here for it. I objectively enjoy a dub. enjoyed the force awakens and then it just went off the rails from there yeah i'm just hoping that like they can have a mandalorian moment with kenobi where like it's so good and like not pushing any weird things in there that like Mm -hmm. somebody just wants to quote-unquote subvert expectations whatever that means yeah and like we're here for the space gunfights, bro. Like, <laughs> Cad Bane and uh, what's his face, the sheriff. Oh yeah, yeah. It, uh, I mean, Cobb Vanth. Yeah, dude. I'm sorry, Old West space gunfight. I am here for it. I'm Heck down. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and I, I like the Western style, and I think a lot of people do of the Mandalorian because it is kind of the Wild Wild West after an Empire fell. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no authority really. You know, and. Yeah. The authority that is there, they really don't care if you can outrun them. You know, it's like... Yeah. You know, and the funny thing <clears throat> is, uh, at first I was thinking, you know, when, when they showed the Obi-Wan teaser trailer uh, a few weeks ago, I was thinking about how the uh, the Grand Inquisitor visually doesn't quite fit the mold of the Grand Inquisitor from the animated yeah. series. Um, 
like especially just just the, like the shape of his head. The fact that they didn't do anything about the shape of his head. I think other than that, they would have gotten away with it. But his head is just too round. It's not like oblong enough. Yeah. To like look like I didn't realize that that's what that character was until I watched a breakdown of the video and somebody was talking about it. I'm like, oh wait, that was a Grand Inquisitor. Like, you know, but. You know, and, and at first I was like, well, okay, there's got to be some translation between animated and real life. And then we got Cad Bane. Yes. And he looked exactly like he did in the animated series. And I'm like, okay, if you can make an alien look like that, why didn't you do some prosthetic thing or some camera trickery or something to fix this? So Disney is recently notorious for, um, wow, I'm loud, recently notorious for editing after the fact lately um they've been doing True. like um with uh the punisher they edited out the tribute to stan lee in one of them because it was like this it was like the climax of like the brutal like gun fighting like slaughter the punisher style stuff that yeah you know everybody's here for because <laughs> like any punisher fan that's what they're there for they're, they they well, want yeah. they they want that but they uh, <clears throat> they wouldn't put it back in. But they went in and edited after the fact, and took that out. And they're like making little tweaks to like digital media here and there. And it's uh, <laughs> so they may they may give us a good look in Grand Inquisitor. Yeah, I totally forgot he was in there. Yeah, I know. And and some of the actors that I've seen that have been cast for this show uh, like surprised me. I mean, first of all, I was really um, impressed by. The fact that they went back and they recruited a lot of the original actors from the prequel trilogies, like um, Joel Edgerton, mm -hmm. to be Owen Lars still, and I don't recall the actress's name, but uh, the one that played um, Baru yeah. in the prequel trilogy, oh, yeah. they got her also. So they went to that extreme, and then um, they've also got uh, from uh, Sung Kang from Fast and the Furious. Yeah, Han. Han. He's playing My the, dude. Uh, the fifth brother. What? Mm -hmm. Oh, dude. So he's going to be all makeuped up, but it's him. And you know that sort of, like, quiet way that he holds himself. He sort of just has that presence about him without really oh, yeah. saying anything. Yeah. Perfect for that character. Absolutely. The strong, silent type. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, Kumail Nanjani is also going to have a role in this one, which I was surprised about. It's not listed on IMDb exactly what he's doing, but... Um, I was a little surprised to see that and excited because he's a fantastic actor. Yeah. Now, I first of all, like I have to credit you for a your pronunciation of names because I totally would have butchered that. And, <laughs> I could have said it wrong too. It's uh, like Nanjiani. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm I'm so terrible. Don't let me pronounce your name. It's terrible. This is why we only say. That's his why I told you name. not to. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> like, what is your last name? Um, but. No, I I definitely have to compliment on how well you know actors because like it is a total weak point of mine. <laughs> like <laughs> like uh who who sang uh Stairway to Heaven? Uh 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 and I literally yeah. drew a blank on it just now. Like somebody's <laughs> screaming in their car at me right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean I'm one of those people that when I see something and I I get like oh like just the most recent thing for me was uh, when I watched uh, the Batman and I saw at the end of the movie there's like a little, uh, without showing him like a Joker cameo, in the at the end of the movie I was like what actor is that? 
it's one of those things. I have to look it up. Like, I can't just sit there and wonder, oh, I wonder who that is. No, I got. I'm the dude that's got to look it up. Yeah, you have to know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I. So I'm gonna. We're gonna break off for a second because you you talked about the Batman and there's been mixed reviews on it, but I like the way that you described it. As opposed to like what we're used to seeing in Batman, just like a goofy action flick. How did you describe the Batman again? Uh, to me, it was more of uh, it was a lot more like the movie Seven, where it was like more of a mystery detective thriller kind of movie. Um, it, it wasn't really in the the way that I would say that like the Christopher Nolan Batmans were more of an action movie. This was much more of a solve the mystery detective story. And if you watch it from that and you don't mind the slower pace, uh, especially now that it's out on HBO Max, you can watch it from home. So it, with its longer runtime, it's a lot easier to be able to just, you know, yeah, pause. You can pause drink, and pee. Yeah, <laughs> use the bathroom, that sort of stuff. Um, you know, I, I actually I just watched it last night for the second time. I watched it the first time in the theaters and then last night. And uh, I enjoyed it more the second time than I did the first time. Yeah. No, I feel like... I feel like TV shows are the way to go with things, or like miniseries, like they're doing with Obi-Wan Kenobi, mm -hmm. instead of that very long format, mm -hmm. like, you know, The Batman, it's like, what, a three-hour-long movie, four-hour-long movie? Just three, three and a half, I think it was, or yeah. 320, something like I remember that. when movies used to be like an hour and a half long. Yeah, me too, yeah. You know, now you have these 45-minute TV shows, like The Mandalorian, and maybe the Obi-Wan Kenobi, mm -hmm. um, Book of Boba Fett, which was dope, too, um... Well, I don't know if you've watched it yet or not, but the Moon Knight going on right now has been, in my eyes, absolutely fantastic. I mean, I love ancient Egypt, so seeing all of this ancient Egypt lore um, in the MCU has just been, oh. Like, uh, that might have to be a Disney Plus and chill thing. Yeah, dude, um, it's, it's been fantastic so far, in my opinion. Oscar Isaac is amazing. Yeah, no, I loved him. So... The actors from the sequel trilogy, actors and actresses and all that from the sequel trilogy, they're amazing. Yeah. They played their parts very well. Mm -hmm. It's just written terribly. But, yeah. like, um, yeah. uh, they're amazing. And o Oscar Isaac, there we go, mm -hmm. and John Boyega and uh, Ray. Ridley. There you go. Thank you. Mm -hmm. And then even um, the hair. You can't see me right now, but I'm flipping my imaginary, like, man the hair. Hair? Um. Kylo Ren, that dude. What's his name? Oh, Adam Driver. Thank you. See, this is why you're here. I, I like it. flip his hair. He doesn't have long hair. He had long hair in the movie, dude. It wasn't that long. It wasn't flip it to the side. He could like, flip it. It was down by his shoulders. He wasn't a cover girl. I mean... He looked like one. Hey. <laughs> I, mean, I mean... The whole I'm, shirt off scene. I'm sure that shirt off scene <laughs> sold it for a few people Oh, there, yeah. But. No, no. The Raylo things going on after that were a <laughs> real boy. Like... <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness that was a whole another level that was taking it there for real like i don't think there's ever been a scene in star wars like that aside from like the uh the kiss scenes with princess leia yeah <laughs> even those though it was us cringing not the people in the movie yeah and it, it was uh, oh my god but anyways like off topic like where do you think obi-wan kenobi is going to go like how how do you see it progressing? Is he going to stay on on Tatooine, or is he going to like go off world and wander around and like no, abandon I, his mandate? I think he's well. I think in protecting Luke, I think he's going to be going off Tatooine for adventures. I think they've already shown that in the trailer. Is that he'll be leaving the planet 
possibly even just to lead Inquisitors away so that they don't find Luke. But, um, yeah, because there's been a few scenes that have had, uh, that, that were in the, in the trailer that looked like they weren't on tattooing. So I, I think we're going to jump around a little bit. Um, I, I am obviously excited that they are diving into Inquisitors because it gives us a fun bad guy and, you know, somewhat there, there's a lot of open room in the lore for the inquisitors we've only met a couple of them in any of the established animated shows and all that so there's a lot of room for them to work with those characters there's several they can introduce and kill off so you can have some fun fights you got some disposable bad guys yeah that's always good well explain to like the audience for those who don't know exactly what an inquisitor is and i think you're going to be the most articulate at it because i'm <laughs> be like a oh, bad guy that can be killed easy well, after um, Anakin and the Emperor destroyed the Jedi Order, Anakin began recruiting some of them. Some of the Inquisitors were actually originally Jedi Padawans that they turned to the dark side. Some of them were Force users they found. And uh, they basically turned these people to the dark side to hunt the remaining Jedi that weren't killed in Order 66 um, off to get rid of the last of them because two people can't be in every place at once exactly yes. so these were the these were like the lieutenants that they could send out into the universe to hunt the hunt the remaining jedi down yes and and clone ward were there some in clone no it was it was just all rebels wasn't it i'm pretty sure that was all rebels yeah so in rebels like the main arc the grand inquisitor the uh, big bad there's a big arc with him in there and he turns out to be Someone relatively like cool, awesome. Like, mm -hmm. like he, his background is super cool, and I like that they have put in there as well because you can fully flesh out his story a little more, and like maybe they'll give us more, mm -hmm. like they did with Maul. Mm -hmm. Because the more they fleshed out Darth Maul's story, the more I like the character. Yeah, the more interesting it got. Yeah, for yeah. sure. And it's the same two guys, you know. It's um, John Favreau and well, you know, I was looking on online the other night. Dave Filoni is the there. We go. Thank you. Of. Yeah, um, <laughs> I was looking online the other night because I was trying to see what roles they were playing in the Obi Wan series. I actually can't find a credit for them anywhere. Not even as like an executive oh. producer. It's all Deborah Chow. Uh, she was awesome too. She directed a couple of um, the Mandalorian yep. and Boba Fett. I mean, yep. um, actually, she directed the one with the. Uh, the lady killer, what's her name? Um, the assassin. Um, and um, Mandalorian. Mandalorian. She wound up flipping and working with Boba Fett. I don't know. This is drawing a blank for me. For Chick with the helmet. Bo-Katan? No, not Bo-Katan. What is wrong with you? What? I, Chick with the helmet. Yeah. Um. She was the assassin. Here, listen. Let's Google this. Here. Oh, 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 oh. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, all of a sudden, her name is escaping me. Also, I put you on the spot. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. Yeah, I wasn't, <laughs> wasn't thinking about this one. Um, but no, she like she directed. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, I could be totally botching this and totally wrong on it because, unlike Mr. Wes over here, I don't remember names. But um, I believe Deborah Chow directed the episode where this female assassin goes after the Mandalorian on the show. And Fennec she, Shand. Fennec Shand. There we go. And she is probably one of my – Star Wars does really well with female characters. And well, they, she is, they, they have been since the sequel trilogy. Yes. 
like, uh, they, they were well, originally. Well, even before that, yeah. And then I mean, they botched it in the sequel trilogy. And then now they're with with uh, Dave Filoni and John Favreau. They're kind of bringing it back, where they're giving us stronger female characters, and the moments that they're giving to these female characters feel earned, which is the most important part to me. It feels like not just that they're there having a moment, but they've they deserve that moment. They belong in that place. It's yeah. it's a right fit. It doesn't feel shoehorned in for the sake of being. I feel like if they would have tweaked it a little bit with the sequel trilogy, like if she had trouble understanding what the heck was going on in her mind, because like so she's basically inheriting, you know, force powers and Mm -hmm. force knowledge Mm -hmm. through like what was it? She extracted it from Kylo Ren when he was trying to extract her like knowledge or whatever. Um, according to the book, I don't know. I, no, I have, again, the books are kind of yeah. a, a blind spot for me. So no, I'm kind of a bookworm nerd. I don't know if that's how they're uh, <laughs> they're trying to explain it away, but I mean, I can understand having powers that you don't know and you start discovering yeah. them as you start trying. But it's the way they did it. It was just the way they went about it. Like there were there were ways that they. It probably was too easy. Uh, yeah, to an extent. Yeah. 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 It felt too easy. It felt like she got it right away. Like, I mean, anybody. Like, uh, a prime example. Um, this anime that I've been watching. Yeah, knock me. Watching anime. <laughs> Anyways, it really good show. Um, it's a uh, safe place, Jesse. Yeah, Attack on Titan. No, nowhere safe. There's nowhere safe. I, I swear, after Chance listens to this, he's going to haze me forever. And God help me if John Resnick can say hold of this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, he's brutal. He's awesome, but he's brutal. <laughs> I like him. Um, but Attack on Titan, so set in like a post-apocalyptic future, you know, mm-hmm. big giant things eating you. But dude, like, gets these powers because you know it's an anime, and uh, he like screws it up so bad at first. You know, once he realizes he has these powers, mm-hmm. because like just like trying to ride a bicycle, you got the concept of what you need to do. You just don't have the muscle memory to do it. Or in this case, the brain memory or whatever. Gotcha. And you're definitely going to fall over and skid your knee on some rocks every now and then. You know, I feel like they tried to pull that off of the sequel trilogy, but it, like with her, uh, her snap scene in the Force Cave or whatever, where she was like tempted by the dark side, which mm-hmm. kind of just felt very vague to me. Mm-hmm. But um, <clears throat> they tried to push that out there, right. but it didn't quite flow. Yeah, uh, I think the – shockingly, the thing that I think all the problems in that trilogy came from was the lack of pre-planning of the sequel trilogy. 100%. What they needed to do was – you would think Disney – well, really it was mostly just Lucasfilm that was working under Kathleen Kennedy. So um, you would think with the importance of – building this this trilogy of movies that they would go out of their way to lay out the overarching plot line for all three movies ahead of time plan where they're going to go the important plot points and then begin expanding from there and i understand that in the the second the last jedi they uh the director kind of wanted to take a left turn but i still feel like well, first of all, I feel like if they're okay with that, then there's a way to still plan it so all three movies feel cohesive. Yeah. But if they're not going to do that, hire another director. Yeah, well, I mean, and that's the thing. It was 
I don't know what the deal was. I don't care. I don't. I don't want to get into people's motivations of why they like come in and f stuff up just for a lack of better way of putting it. Well, I don't think he thought that he was doing that. I thought that he thought he was. I think that he thought that he was adding something to the the universe of Star Wars that was maybe going to open it up a little bit, make it a little more diverse, but it just didn't land that way. No, it landed like, um, <laughs> who cares? <laughs> yeah. it, it literally, like, nobody cares about this. That's how it landed. And I'm, yeah. that's kind of what a lot of us fans are hoping they do not do with Obi-Wan Kenobi. Yeah. Because, I mean... There's a way to do it to where we can flesh out these characters and find out what happened in that time. And it's like a, what, a 20-year time span between where Obi-Wan and Luke get dropped off on Tatooine, basically, and to where you know Luke comes looking for Obi-Wan because this daggum droid came at him. You know? it's like, <laughs> there's a dusty droid on my lawn we're, here. We're somewhere in the middle of that time with with. Luke growing up on Tatooine. Yeah. I think we're a little past the midpoint, but... Uh, well, I saw yeah. the scene where he was with his VR glasses pod racing, you oh, know, which yeah. was definitely... On the, yeah. I, I love the callback to Baby Anakin. Oh, I yeah. love that. That was yeah. good. I do think that uh, he possibly looks a little too young for the timeline for this character. I feel like maybe he should be should have been slightly larger as a kid, but, you know, we're also... Ewan McGregor doesn't look as old as he does in the original... As Obi Wan does in the original trilogy with the original actor, so yeah. Well, I mean, it's so there's a plus and minus to that. So one, I feel like Luke looked a little baby faced anyway in the original trilogy. True. Um, he didn't really fully look like he had aged any until Return of the Jedi, and he looked significantly yep. older in Return of the Jedi. I don't well, know. There's a reason for that. Well, I mean, yeah. He had a, significant car accident that they had to do facial reconstruction on him which is why he has like that scar oh on his for right real side yeah okay yeah, he got into a life pretty sure it was a car accident but it was they had to do some facial reconstruction on him that's why his face looks so much older and more weathered but it worked because it he looks so much more mature he looked like more of a fleshed out character and he acted more mature because i mean it was he went from this dreamy kid to this like focused warrior yeah you know they also wrote the character to be more mature in that last movie yeah. so and the facial reconstruction hey you know what accidents and like happy accidents it's not <laughs> i know it's not a, a car crash is not a happy accident right. but <laughs> well it, you know i mean that's another thing that actually <clears throat> possibly aided a little bit in the original trilogy well obviously the sequel trilogy had their own tragedy with Carrie Fisher passing away. Yeah, that was... You know, and personally, it was before the second movie came out. I really feel like they had an opportunity to possibly re-edit, maybe do a, a, a reshoot of a scene or two, and retool the way they were going to go about those movies and end them. I don't think that it added anything at all to those movies to have her survive the second one when they had an obvious opportunity to let her let her go. Um, and then bring her back for the third one using all computer-generated tricks and old footage and stuff like that and weird, weird audio workarounds that made the scenes feel weird. Like, they didn't need to do that. They could have changed gears, and instead of having Luke, you know, become one with the Force in the second, do it in the third. Like, find another way to do this. Yeah. No, that that is a great way of putting that, and... um. I feel like that's what makes 
made and makes Star Wars very unique in that they use a lot of like real props, real sets, real everything. And they were doing that with the first of the sequel trilogy. Um, I'm not sure how much CGI they used in The Mandalorian, but I feel like a lot of the sets were actual sets. Uh, There was actually quite a bit of, uh, not green screen, but they've they've been using a lot of the older style of like projection, Mm -hmm. like projection on a background, and then the the actors are acting in front of the projected background. Oh, that's cool. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I, I've actually seen it. Uh, I've seen some uh, behind-the-scenes footage of Mando, like, walking or riding on something, and it's on, like, a treadmill going past, like, a you know, a, a screen in the background. So a lot of the big environmental stuff is uh, is that kind of thing, which is still more of a practical effect than, you know, like, just totally green screening the whole thing like an mcu movie yeah no i mean and there's a time and a place for like green screens and stuff like that um mcu it works it flows because i mean these characters are larger than life like there's not really a better way to put it yeah jedi are larger than life too but in a different way yeah you know it's more like a uh, down and dirty like you're a normal dude type of way you just can move things around with your mind you're telekinetic (laughs) you know i mean and you have pretty swords. They glow in the dark. Um, <laughs> uh, but, I mean, it, I like the practical effects. Um, I hope they keep with that trend in Obi-Wan Kenobi. Um, yes, 100%. Yeah. I feel like they made it weird with using some CGI when they started off with practical effects. And they looked at something as, like, an obstacle instead of an opportunity, which is not the right – it's not the right mindset for someone who running a business or making a movie. They just need the ability to pivot to situations. Yeah, and there was and they didn't. And that's something a lot of movies are lacking now and a lot of TV shows are lacking. They don't pivot well. Yeah. And they don't adapt to like the political political climate. Everybody's all into politics and I'm not even getting into it. Just <laughs> mind your business, you know, like have your political things and be a good human. Get out my face. Um, <laughs> but, like, no, for real. Like, everybody's all into politics, I, and I feel like a lot of shows are transitioning away from that. Finally. Thank God. Hallelujah. Anyways. And there's some shows that are, like, still, like, transitioning or, like, trying to figure out how to pivot, and they're not doing it well, and it's kind of awkward. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't watched Star Trek Discovery in a while because, like, it started, like, borderlining that, and, like... I'm down with it. Like some of the ways, like the um, uh, the trans crew member mm-hmm. with like the yeah. imaginary, not imaginary anymore boyfriend or girlfriend or whatever. Yeah, partner. Yeah. Partner. There we go. Think this is why you're here. Words. I love your words. <laughs> Thank you. But I, I, I was. I'm here for it. Like that's super cool. And then like they're a troll on top of that, mm-hmm. but not a troll. Yeah. Like, that's yeah. dope. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. the way they did that was cool, but like they they're pivoting like they pivoted more towards it, and I feel like they're trying to pull away from it now, and they're having trouble pivoting back. Mm-hmm. You know, just to go back, like we want to explore strange new worlds. This is what Star Trek is. You know, we want 
we want more Star Wars lore. We want more like information. What? Well, tell me more about these. something that I think has been lacking from a lot of sci-fi, um, especially in these these categories, is when they're not done properly. Um, it's like everyone everyone wants a house, but no one wants to dig the foundation. Roger. You know, um, which is where that's where you you have to have that that drama that strife to overcome Mm -hmm. and that's when things feel earned is when you overcome it i was just watching something that was comparing the mcu like the first avengers movie to the justice league the first uh, justice league and it's like why did this one work but this one but the other one didn't you know and if you look at it at the high point in the midpoint or i'm sorry at the midpoint of the movie the avengers are all torn apart they're arguing they they don't work together as a team at all in fact they're actively fighting yes. at one point yep um whereas in the dc uh justice league at the midpoint of the movie when the whole team comes together it's more of just kind of a conversation they're like should we do this should we not there's no real tension there there's nothing for them to overcome they're not really battling each other even though they're not getting along perfectly but you uh, need to feel the stress. Yeah, there's there's to... nothing that makes them coming together after that feel like they earned it, like that that they overcame and achieved. Yeah, you know. Well, I mean, and that I I feel that I do, and I, that's that's exactly where a lot of things are failing because people are not emotionally invested. Mm-hmm. They're not. You need an investment in something. You know, yes. Is it a little stressful for, for some people, especially coming out of COVID, high anxiety time? Everybody's kind of tripping. It is what it is. So maybe they're trying to like veer away from anything that like stresses people out. Yeah, but you need yeah. that in a show to make it work. Yeah, yeah. The the shows that stress you out at least a little bit are always going to have the best payoff in the end. Yes, Game oh. of Thrones, bro. Game yes. of Thrones. Oh my goodness. I like this character, dead. Yeah. I like this character, dead. dead. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's a show that pushed the stress level, but never over the edge. A good counterpoint to that is The Walking Dead. The Walking Dead kept pushing it and pushing oh it and pushing God. it and pushing it and pushing it. And it got to a point, I just stopped watching because it was just too stressful. Yeah, exactly. And whereas Game of Thrones gave you that sort of anxiety, but then they'd pull it back occasionally yeah they give you they let you take a breath here and there you know and there was enough fun stuff to or like this character wins here even Mm -hmm. though you lose this character here yeah you know so shows that have the ability to create that sort of tension um and then give you a moment afterwards of triumph and you know after it happens and the, really the ones that are planned out the best, yeah. which is also why Game of Thrones, great example, was so good for so many seasons. And then they were off on their own in the last what, season and a half, two seasons. Mm-hmm. And that's when the show, everyone started complaining and be like, what is going on? Yeah, they found Starbucks cups in the show and stuff. They got lazy. You know, well, they were they were off the reservation because they didn't have a source material to yeah. work from anymore. So that's the problem is when you have the plan 
and the plan is laid out, and sure you have room for creativity in mm-hmm. there somewhere. Oh yeah. Uh, shows are cohesive; they make sense. They they have rewarding arcs, and people love them. Mm-hmm. Absolutely right. No, and I I'm. What do you think? about the stress level and potential the potential stress level of obi-wan kenobi with the inquisitors when we already know what happens do you think they'll be able to pull that off well or do you think it's going to be one of those like um yeah this is cool and all this is super you know like oh the action's good you know it's it would pull me in but i already know he lives like we already know how it ends yeah um that's actually a very that's a very interesting question um it's a great thought i it's hard to say. Um, you could, I think that you could still tell a very rewarding story even when you know certain characters survive. Like, obviously, threats to their mortality, uh, you know, you, doesn't build the drama. But I think there's there's tension that can be built, you know, especially if we think about keeping them away from Luke. Oh gosh, they're getting on the verge of it. I mean, you can still have that anxiety and that sense of like, oh wow, that was a close call. Yeah. Even though they don't actually find him or you know get him, or same thing with Obi Wan. So I mean, obviously we know these characters are going to be all right, but I think you can still tell fun stories. Yeah, I I agree with that to an extent. Um, I feel like uh, it's it's going to help. Like when you start getting stress, I feel like it's going to help give that balance to it because, I mean, the force and everything's all about balance. Making these shows, making these movies are a lot about that balance we just talked about with the give and take. You know, you kill a character, you reward a character or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's going to be a good counterbalance so they can tell like some intense stories and make it kind of rough. Like um, they're literally five feet away from Luke and didn't get him. Yeah. Um, but – I don't know. I don't know if they can take it there. They're going to have to bring in another character that you're really going to love and be emotionally invested in. Mm-hmm. And put them in peril. Put them in a lot of peril, like all the peril. Yeah. Like, um, we're going to blow up this planet because you're on it, peril. Like, Death yeah. Star, right there. Let's right. go. You know, Rogue, uh, Rogue One. Or, mm-hmm. Is that Rogue One? Yeah, Rogue yeah. One. Yeah, exactly. That movie was so good because... If I didn't think about it because I'm kind of dumb, um, <laughs> like I I had a feeling they were all gonna die. Spoiler alert: they all die. Um, <laughs> but Everybody like, dies. Yeah, like they all die, and I, that's almost what makes it so good because you know they're all gonna die. But the struggle, and if you didn't know they're all gonna die, like me, because didn't put two and two together because yeah. dumb um i don't think about it i got too emotionally invested in the movie many bought and spies died to acquire the yeah data. that one line they made a movie out of one friggin line dude how mm-hmm. and this is i could have said that wrong i don't know if it's bought and I, I don't recall the the name of the they had gave yeah them, but yeah you know what I mean. yeah like a lot of rubble several rebel spies died to bring us this information they made a whole movie on it and that's basically what they're doing with Obi-Wan Kenobi. Mm-hmm. You know, when we last met, I was but a learner. Now I am the master. You know, yeah. which, like, that flowed with, you know, um, Revenge of the Sith when they had the most epic battle of all time. You know? Yes. It, it was. There's a couple that match it. You know, maybe Ahsoka versus Vader or 
you know, something no. like that. Not even close. No. Like, <laughs> you were so into it. Like, I still get goosebumps. I've seen it a million times. I oh, still yeah. get goosebumps from that scene because mm-hmm. it was so well done. And I even love the overdramatic, like, volcano explosion while oh, they're, yeah. like, grappling with each other. Episode 3 is, <clears throat> for as much as the prequels were getting panned before the sequel trilogy came out, Episode 3 was absolutely top tier star wars like that was one of my favorite star wars pieces of media ever made yeah no it empire is up there at number one as always as it should be because empire is there's the eternal debate between one and two two is the more complete movie but two couldn't have been as good as it was without one being as good as it was wait what well (laughs) (laughs) think about the limited budget that george lucas was working with making the original one yeah he had three movies in mind but the studio would only give him a little bit of money to make one movie and he made the best movie that he could out of that yeah get to number two and now they're pouring money in on that so obviously there's going to be you know there was more they could do with it so two has you know one of the greatest reveals in the history of cinema mm-hmm. you know luke i am your father but two could never have been as good as it was if one hadn't laid such beautiful groundwork and been so good in and of itself you're right you you're needed right. all of that you're world so building right. from one in order for two this is the eternal debate you know? <laughs> yeah no people it... always people <laughs> always go back and forth about this and yeah i can i can agree that two was you know a bigger movie for sure yeah. They had so much more that they did with it because they had so much more they could do with it. But they you know. they they literally took a sci-fi movie because at that point sci-fi movies were like garbage where they were like the original War of the Worlds. Mm-hmm. Great concept, garbage movie. Like total garbage. <laughs> like they went from that to a new hope to where like it was Star Wars just originally yeah. called, but that's because he didn't know he was going to be able to make all of them, mm-hmm. <laughs> which he had a plan for all of them. Exactly. He literally handed Disney the paperwork for the sequel trilogy that they threw out. Grr. Um, <laughs> well, but, yeah. I mean, it, still, whatever. They, yeah. they made it. It is what it is. I don't care. Yeah. But, like, A New Hope had the best mark. Of, it was like The Matrix. They ended it. In such a way that, like, hey, the story can continue, but this little segment's wrapped up. Yes. And, like, you can go on with it. They left it open. Mm -hmm. But you had so many questions that you needed another one, you know? Yeah, absolutely. What is the Matrix? What's going on here? What's with these machines? You know, how are they going to beat them? Why is Neo flying, you know? (laughs) You know, it's like, you know, all these questions, Mm -hmm. You know, like good first movies and trilogies have questions that need answering. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And now I have all kinds of questions from the trailer from Obi-Wan Kenobi. Like, um, who's this chick inquisitor? Why is she so bad ASS? Like, I mean, like, she's legit, mm-hmm. like, awesome. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. she – I liked her. Like, she was fierce. Yes. She yeah. came across like she means business. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's so much that we don't know about, you know, the Inquisitors that that's what's exciting about it, first of all, to me. As a Star Wars fan, getting to learn new lore, new new characters that look fun and well done, you know, that, that really interests me quite a bit. Um, and 
beyond even just that. Like we've got Ahsoka coming up not in the not oh, too distant future. And that show, oh my goodness. Look, they already name dropped Thrawn in uh, yes. in Mandalorian. And I have been desperately waiting for the TV first like TV live action appearance of Thrawn, who in my eyes is possibly the most interesting villain that's ever been brought into Star Wars. He was so calculated and so cold in Star Wars Rebels. Yes. And he was always one step ahead up until the end. Yes. And then he's whatever. The best kind of villain that there is because he's super smart. And he's terrifying. Yeah. Plus, I mean, Rebels left us on the cliffhanger of what happened with Ezra. Yes. And I think we're finally going to get an answer to that I got, I through so. Ahsoka. I think that's what... I think that's what Dave Filoni is trying to do with Ahsoka is make it that like make it like a the end of the that Rebels storyline. Yeah, first of all, let, let's put this out there. Rosario Dawson was the perfect character for that. Yeah, I understand that a lot of people wanted the actress that did the the voice work for Ahsoka and I understand why they wanted her to be the person that did the live action uh version of Ahsoka, but uh, Rosario Dawson so far has absolutely given the right amount of respect to the role, mm-hmm. has taken it seriously, and has really been knocking it out of the park. Yeah, and she even worked with a voice actress to do yes, that, yes. to make it right, yeah. to have the right pauses and the right little – the swag. The swag, bro. Well, and to understand the character from the actor who's been essentially portraying the character for so long now, mm-hmm. you know, understanding that – that so that you can carry that into your version of the character and make it feel like a true continuation of an older version of that character. Um, I, I think that that's been fantastic, and I love the care that she was willing to put into taking that role. Which is exactly why it makes so much sense, and it's the best thing to do to bring back the original characters like they did with Obi-Wan Kenobi. They brought back Ewan McGregor. They brought back Hayden Christensen. They ba- brought back the actors and actresses that played in the original roles of these characters. Mm-hmm. So first of all, it's been what? Um, 12 years since then? Since the prequel trilogy? Yeah. Oh, gosh. Uh, didn't, it was uh, like 2000 or something like I was that? Say it was like 2001 or 2002 when the first one came out of the pre- I could be wrong, completely wrong about yeah. that. I'll, I'll look it up. But... Um, I mean, that's 20 years. Yeah. Oh, wow. I can't count. Right. For real? <laughs> wow. I'm old, dude. Um, <laughs> no. Uh, okay. So, like, a legit 20 years. So, I mean, they definitely look older. I mean, there's only so much. 1999, The Phantom Menace. Okay. So, close, but, you know, two yeah, years in between. 22, so, 22, 23 years. Yeah. Well, I mean. It's not half bad. I mean, they look appropriately aged for the roles, yeah. for the most part. I mean, you and McGregor's even got some gray going on. Yeah, there. that's one of the beautiful things about doing this show now is that the characters have appropriately, the actors have appropriately aged for what the characters are, so they don't really have to, you know, do any special effects work or extensive makeup work for a lot of these characters. What, like they did with the original Palpatine? Like the original yeah. Emperor made him look older and dirt, and exactly. he was like a super young dude? Exactly. And then he finally got old enough where he could just not wear half of that stuff yeah. because he finally is older. <laughs> yeah. I finally aged. There's got to be perks <laughs> to that, man. Like Sean Connery, he didn't really take off until he was like, yeah, well, like he's 
forties. Well, yeah, he was James Bond. Yeah, and I think like, he was in his thirties or forties, like his late thirties, early forties when he did uh, James Bond. Yeah, and you and McGregor's been in some phenomenal things lately. And that was in like the sixties, dude. <laughs> yeah, no, Sean Connery was a beast, man. He was a sexy man. He really was. Hey. I mean, it's a good looking dude. You're right. We we had we had jokes. We had jokes. Plus I can't the say them on air, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was he was a panty dropper for sure. Um, <laughs> but like that that's the era we're at now. You know, we have a lot of these young up and comers that are getting older. They're more seasoned, and they're age appropriate for these specific roles that they're playing, and it's an amazing thing. And I I very much look forward to see what they do with these characters going forward. I'm interested to see uh, what they do with letting Hayden Christensen's face be seen. Oh, my God. Because supposedly we're supposed to see Hayden Christensen. For real? Yeah, I think so. Oh, dude. I've heard that. Maybe maybe it'd be like um, the Ahsoka duel type thing where, like, Obi slashes off his face or something, because we're definitely getting an Obi... Yeah, uh, Vader duel. Yeah, they said something about that. I mean, which was like the main. That was what they led with. Why? Like that's one that you keep secret, completely secret. Yeah, yeah, I could see that being one of those dramatic uh, tension building things. Where it's like, are they going to fight? Are they not going to fight? Are they going to come face to face? Yeah, are, that that could be the tension and the drama, the build up where like they're just missing each other a couple times. Well. You know, this was developed by you and McGregor and Deborah Chow for sure. I know that the two of them worked very closely um, on the show in creation. Uh, I believe you and McGregor had input in the writers' room, even. So um, I, I have some faith that the character is going to get treated right, and that oh, yeah. they're going to create a, an interesting enough story that the show feels worthwhile. I don't feel like this is going to be something that takes away from how we feel about the character, but. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, um, it's about time to wrap this up, Wes. Um, All right. Uh, you can. I'll give you a minute to carte blanche, put out your uh, body of work. You know, your Insta, your Twitter, or whatever you're on. And... Uh, pretty much just Instagram uh, at Westb82. That's W E S B eight two on Instagram. It's for my photography mostly. Yeah. No, check it out. He's got beautiful work. Um, thanks for joining us. Hopefully, uh, there was a little bit of crossover here. Um. And we'll catch you next weekend with uh, Mr. Hancock. And y'all have a great weekend. Stay safe. Drink some margaritas. All right. Bye. Opinions expressed on Talking Pets are those of the hosts, guests, and callers.